going to be in the Old Testament today. We're rocking Old Testament. Everybody okay with that today on Memorial Day weekend? About six of us. I said, everybody okay with that on Memorial Day weekend? So we're going to rock the Old Testament today. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. We're going to read a couple of verses. And I just believe God's going to speak to us today. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. That's what the Bible says. 2 Kings 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. These are enemy chariots, by the way, just so you know. These are enemy horses. These are enemy troops all around them. And, and the guy freaks out. He says, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And Elisha told him, do not be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So guess what? That's the Lord's army. That's what that was. And so I, I just want to just talk to us today as we start this new series, because I think there's a lot of stuff in church that we didn't talk about growing up. And we'll talk about what that looks like. But the one thing I want to talk about today is that spiritual warfare is real. That spiritual warfare is real. And I don't know if you have been feeling any of that this week. Maybe you've walked in here not knowing what your life may look like. I kind of feel that way today. Kind of feel that way a little bit. But I just believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us as we open His Word and as we talk about what His Word has to say. God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Again, we invite you into this place to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said a good amen, amen. Come on, high five your neighbor say, I'm glad you made it to church. You could look like you could use some church today. Go ahead and let them know. Look like you could use some church today. And you could have a seat. You could have a seat. Thank you, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, again, we're starting a brand new series called Summer Schools. Anybody remember summer school back in the day? Right? Anybody remember that back in the day? Like whenever you, I don't know if they still do summer school or not right now. They still do summer school? Okay. So like we still do summer school, uh, but I, I remember back in the day, like if you didn't, like you didn't get your work done in time, you didn't get the grades, you were trying to make up a little bit of your grades, guess what? You had to go to summer school in order to keep going on to the next grade, right? How many of y'all just be honest? This church, you can be honest. How many of y'all went to summer school? Come on, wave at me. All right then. I like it. I like it. Well, we're going to go to summer school together uh, in just a few weeks, uh, over the next few weeks, when we're talking about some things. Now, I kind of put the title around this series of summer school, the things that we wish they had taught us, right? So like, again, I, I think, again, that's something that I think not only in school world do we wish they'd have taught us, but I think that can also apply to the church world as well, right? And I think about school, and I think there's some things I went and looked up this week. Like, what are the top things in school that people say that they wish school would have taught us? How many of y'all wish school would have taught us about some personal finance? Come on, somebody, right? How to balance a checkbook. Does anybody know what a checkbook is anymore? Okay, maybe we don't. Um, Okay, how to like make sure, I, I don't even know how to, how to make sure your bank statements and your Venmo account link up. I don't even know if that's even something, but like, like we wish somebody had taught us about personal finance, right? How many of y'all, like I looked this up as well, how many of y'all so, would have liked to learn about some basic first aid? Come on, I mean, that'd have been good to know, right? Been good to know. Been good, like some life skills, right? We're talking life skills now. How many of y'all know it would have been good to learn some self-defense? That was a top answer. Come on, some kung fu in 
PE class. I think that would have been fun. I'd have liked it, right? Some self-defense. That would have been great. Uh, how about time management? Anybody? Okay? Like we could all use some time management skills, okay, that we didn't get taught that. We wish they would have taught us. How many of y'all this? This is the big one. I think this is kind of the number one thing. How many of y'all wish they would have taught us how to file a, uh, like file for your taxes? Come on, somebody, right? Man, I wish they'd have taught us that. That would have been great. All right, maybe even some basic car maintenance. Like these are top answers of what people wish they would have learned in school. I think all of us can agree with some of those. I wish they'd have taught us those things. I wish they'd have been really practical with some of those. And I think sometimes it happens the same way in church, is that there's some topics that I wish they would have taught on. Topics as I grew up in church, and again, depending on your background of whether it was talked about or not, but I think there's some questions that all of us have when it comes to this thing called faith and life and following Jesus and questions like, okay, hey, hey, is spiritual warfare real? Like, I'm, okay, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm angry and I, I don't really understand. I'm kind of angry at God. Is that okay? Can I do that? Or uh, what about um, following Jesus? It ain't easy, right? I wish they'd have taught us some of those things. And I think what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is kind of walk through that. We're going to walk through that together. These kind of questions that we've had that we wish we could have asked, and we're going to walk through it together. And again, when I say that spiritual warfare is real, depending on your background, depending on where you grew up, it depends on how you see that or how you even take that in. And uh, so we're going we're to dive deep today, if that's okay with everybody. Everybody okay with that? Okay, but, but first, before we do that, it's going to be a heavy topic. I just think a joke is always good. Come on, somebody, right? So I haven't told a Boudreaux joke in a long time. And so I like Boudreaux. Boudreaux's a Cajun guy. He lives down in Louisiana. And Boudreaux was sitting in the back row of the church one day. And, uh, in, I mean, the back doors flung open in a big flash and, and smoke and all this stuff. And the devil himself walked into the church, right? The devil walked in. Everybody goes running. Everybody's scattering. And Boudreaux, you know what he's doing? He's sitting there cool as a cucumber, sitting in the back row. And uh, it kind of perplexes the devil a little bit. And, and again, so he goes over to Boudreaux and says, Boudreaux, you're not even scared one little bit? And he's like, no, no, it's not one bit, right? That's, that's occasion coming out, right? Like, no, it's not one bit. And, and the devil's confused. He's like, I, everybody's scared of me. Why, why, what, what is your problem? Like, well, you should be scared of me right now. Boudreaux yawns, kind of sits back in his seat for a little bit, looks at the devil and tells him, no reason to be afraid. After all, I've been married to your sister for 40 years. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are, all right? I don't care. That's funny, all right? So, so again, I don't know where your, your ideas go when I say spiritual warfare, but what I want to do is I want to kind of get us all on the same page. I want to get us all on the same playing field. Do we understand this idea that, yes, there is an enemy, and yes, he is out to get you? Just going to tell you, okay, we'll talk about that. So again, the first thing I want us to write down, again, the, the title of today's message is Spiritual Warfare is Real. Like, you need to understand that. It's real. It's legit. It's happening. And what I want you to write down as the first point is this idea that what you see is not all that there is. So what you see is not all that there is. I think you need to write that down, and I, I think as we talk about this, I'm going to talk about what we just read in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. Obviously, we're in the Older Testament. We're talking through some different things, and again, everything in the Older Testament is pointing to Jesus. If you read about it, it's all pointing to this guy named Jesus, and that's the name that we're going to point to. But I want us to see also in this story right here that there's a battle that's taking place. There's a physical battle that's going on. You need to understand that right here, the Israelites are in battle with the Arameans, Ar 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 all right? And what they're doing is they're fighting. 
And what happens is, is the, the, literally the, this guy wakes up, and his name is Elisha, and he has a servant, and he sends a servant outside, and he's walking around, and he wakes up, and all of a sudden, there is like this hillside full of soldiers. There's all of these troops surrounding him. There's all these horses. There's all these things coming against them in the physical, right? Like there is a, there is a battle going on even in the physical. And he sees that, and the dude freaks out. Come on, somebody. How many of you know if you walk out your house and you got like just... Lots of people coming after you, you're going to freak out yourself, right? This is exactly what happens, and he runs back to Elisha and says, Hey, Elisha, listen, I know our guys are kind of all over the place, but, man, there's a lot of them out there. Like, there's a lot of their guys out there. Like, man, I don't know if you've seen it. And he begins to freak out. And then what begins to happen, I love it, and this is my prayer for today, for us, even in summer as we're leaning into what God is calling us to do. Like, my prayer is that we would do exactly what Elisha, what he prayed. And the fact is that, that guess what? Open his eyes and let him see. That's what he prayed. Open his eyes and let him see. And what's he see? After he opens his eyes, he begins to realize, no, no, no. Just what I see is not all that there is. There's actually an entire heavenly army that's ready to fight on our behalf. There's a, there's a heavenly army that I can't even see that is, that is literally fighting on our behalf. So again, I want to just challenge us today. Like this idea, what you see is not all there is. That there is a battle that is going on right now. There's a battle for you and your soul that's going on right now. That what we see with our physical eyes in the physical world is not all that there is. And I think that's so important for us to understand. That there is a whole nother world, a spiritual world that is just as real and, and, and even more powerful than the, the, what we put our eyes on even today. I want us to see that, that if you had eyes, I'm praying that we would have eyes to see that there is a spirit world and there is this battle that is going on. The forces of good versus the forces of evil, where the kingdom of light is waging war against the kingdom of darkness. And again, I want us to see something, that there's more than our eyes can actually see. And I think about that, and I look through all throughout Scripture, even in the Newer Testament, you begin to see in Ephesians verses, or chapter 6, verse 12, what you'll begin to find out, what you'll begin to see is that it tells us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Listen to me. You're, you're, you're like ought with your coworker ain't against them. I want you to understand something. It's not against them. It's, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly place. So I want you to see also in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing and he tells us, hey, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Watch what he says. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. So again, I'm trying to get us to understand something today. That guess what? What you see is not all that there is. That there is a spiritual realm that is taking place alongside of the physical realm. And again, my prayer for today is Ephesians 1.18, is that yours and my eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. That way we may realize as we walk out of here today that there is an enemy and he has a plan. Right? There is an enemy and he has a plan. That's something I want you to write down. Like you have an enemy and he has a plan. Now think about that. I, I want us to be aware of that. I want us to be aware as we head into a season in the summer where we probably think, you know what, I can let my guard down a little bit. I can kind of slack up a little bit when it comes to my walk with Jesus. I just want to let you know and encourage you, listen to me. You have an enemy, and he has a plan. Be aware. Know that he's there. Know that he's coming, and here's the plan he has for you. Watch what it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Somebody shout, stay alert. Stay alert. 
Yes, wake up. Come on, keep your eyes open. Make sure you're seeing this. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So again, I think for so long in church, we probably kind of masked this idea that, you know what, we can just remain oblivious to the dangers that are around us. We can just kind of close it or just kind of turn our eyes to some things that are happening. But we have a, con a, a conniving, sneaky, cunning, spiritual enemy whose main goal is out to devour you and destroy you. That's his goal. That's his plan. Watch out. Somebody say, watch out. Stay alert. Like, and, and again, I was just reading in my Bible this week in John 10, and it, the, it just kind of jumped off the page to me again that the, per, the, the thief himself has a purpose, and guess what it is? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's what he wants to do. That's how he wants to come at you in your life. And again, I'm going to challenge you with this. I love the second half of that verse, and it's not up on the screen, but guess what Jesus said? That I have come so that they may have life and have life more abundantly. Now, I know that that's the thief's purpose, but i got an even greater purpose. Come on. right? I, I know that that's what he's coming to do, but I've got an even better plan. I've got an even bigger plan. I've got even a perfect plan. Is anybody thankful for Jesus that his plan is greater than the plan of our enemy? I'm thankful for that. I love the fact, again, though, we gotta, we got to make sure that our eyes are seeing not just what we see, but that there's more to that. And again, that you have an enemy and he has a plan. And listen to me, the devil is not your friend. The devil is not something, I know Hollywood will portray it as something kind of on a platform and a stage and all this kind of stuff, but listen to me, he is your enemy. He hates you. He's not just a playful little pet that we can kind of just, oh, I mean, he's a cute little, no, 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 no. He is a bloodthirsty lion that's out to devour you. Listen to me. And this is, this is going, that's why I had to tell a joke to start us out today. Come on, somebody, right? But listen to me. The devil hates you. The devil hates you. He can't stand you. He hates you more than you can even imagine. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour those that which belong to you and matter to the heart of God. Like He wants to destroy your marriage. The devil loves divorce. He wants, to he wants to destroy your witness and your testimony. He would love to get you tangled up in sin and all these things that may look attractive in order that it may hinder you from sharing your story of Jesus. Like he wants to devour your kids. Right? He wants to devour my kids. He wants to get them hooked on drugs and pornography and everything else so that he can say, you know what, I'm going to thwart the message and thwart the purpose that God has on their life. That's the enemy's goal. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do whatever he can to destroy your finances. Boy, he loves debt, financial bondage so that you can't give. Always fight and worry about money. Yes, everybody in the room, if you're married, you're fighting and worrying about money sometimes, right? We all do. But the devil loves that. He wants to destroy your health. Boy, he loves sickness and disease and pain. He wants to destroy the best that he can, your relationship with God, because he hates you. And he wants to take you out. And what you see with the natural eyes is not all that there is. I'm trying to get us there today. I'm trying to get us to understand that. I wish they'd have taught us this. And I wish that, in the, in the, you know, when I grew up in church, man, I wish they would have talked about the fact that I have a spiritual enemy and his plan not only is to the, 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 one of his tactics. I mean, that sounded fun whenever I did that with my mouth. Tactics. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's to deceive, all right? It's to deceive. That's, that's one of his main goals. Like, like again, the, the, the enemy 
hates you and he has a plan, one of those things is to deceive you. He wants you and I to look at something thinking it's going to satisfy us more than God would. He wants to make it look shiny and attractive and good, ultimately with the, with the motive and mentality that it will kill you. He wants to make it look good, but really it's deadly. And this is the thing. The devil has no new tricks, y'all. He ain't come up with nothing new in thousands of years, all right? Because guess what? One of the very first things that he did in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us as Eve is explaining this to God, you got to understand that she is, he, she's sinned, she's ate the apple, she's, she's uh, not the apple, it's a fruit, come on somebody, I'm, I'm an apple user, come on, don't get mad, okay? But like, like she, she, that's just a really terrible joke on a, on a Memorial Day weekend, so we'll just leave that one out a second, sorry. All right, so, so listen to me. She eats the fruit, she takes a bite, she hands it to her husband, and God comes looking for them, and guess what happens? She explains to God, you know what happened? Satan deceived me. That's literally what she says. The serpent deceived me, that's why I ate it. And I'm just being honest, in my life, when there was things that I was going after, it looked good, but it was deadly on the inside. It looked good and shiny on the outside, but man, it was deadly on the inside. And that's Satan's goal is to deceive you and I. To make it look like, man, this is going to satisfy you. This is going to make you happy. This is going to be what you need. But in reality, it's really going to, he has a one, his one goal, and it's to destroy your life. That's his goal. The Bible talks about it even in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Like, you've got to understand, he's deceptive. So that's why it's so important on, on Pentecost Sunday that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I need to discern what is from God and what's not from God. I need to know what, what, what is this. Is, is this something that is disguised or is, am I trying to be deceived or is this from God? And again, the enemy's plan is for you and I to go all in on something that looks like truth but ultimately is a lie. That's what deceit does. John 8, 44. This is what the Bible tells us is that Satan, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And whenever he lies, it's consistent with his character. It's who he is. You know why? For he is a liar and the father of lies. And he is going to try to lie to you, deceive you, and attract you with things that are going to leave you empty at the end of the day. Be, be, be ready because that's his goal. He's got a, he, you have an enemy. And he has a plan, and he wants to deceive you to start with. Number two, he wants to distract you. So if he can't deceive you, you know what he's going to try to do? He's going to try to distract you. Like that's, that's kind of another thing that he's going to do. He'll try to get you focused on anything else that is not God. Right? And, and I think if I look back at my own life, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that there's been times in my own life where I've been distracted by the good things, but ultimately they weren't God things. Right? I think sometimes what happens is they can be distracted. It doesn't have to be at the bar on the weekend. It can be good things. It can be really good things. But when they take our focus and attention off of Jesus, that's when they turn detrimental. That's when, that's when Satan's got us, when he can distract us. And again, I just want to challenge us today. And I'm, I'm going to get to the good part in a second because there's a good part. I want you to know that, that, this, that we serve a God that doesn't just leave us out there on our own to figure this out. I love that so much about the God that we serve. But the fact is that he, the, the devil, the enemy of your soul is trying to deceive you 
and distract you. I like what Mark 4 says. This is talking about the Word of God when, when Jesus is telling the parable of the sower. You know, that, you know that, that story where he's talking about this seed and that seed is, is being cast on this ground and that ground. And what we see as he's explaining it to his disciples, he says this, The seed that fell among the thorns represented others who hear God's Word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so that no fruit is produced. And I think that's the enemy's goal for you and I. That's the enemy's goal for us is to distract us. Come on, how many of us get worried about life, right? There's things in life. Come on, just me in the room. Everybody gets worried about life, right? I think we all are. are we, we walk in. That's what I just felt like, again, the Lord just impressing on me today that like you've walked in this place and maybe the worries of life are distracting you. Maybe the lures of wealth are distracting you. Maybe the desires for other things are distracting you. And I just want to just challenge us today. We're going to take communion at the end of the service. You know what? If there's anything that is in between you and God that's distracting or deceiving you, guess what? We can lay it at the foot of the cross. And we have that opportunity to do that. That's the God that we serve. And I'm so thankful. But I'm trying to get you to realize what you see is not all there is. The devil's going to deceive you, distract you. Come on, I'm a preacher and I use all D's right here. Discourage you. Come on, somebody, right? He's going to try to discourage you. How many of y'all ever, ever been discouraged? How many of y'all ever been in the middle of a season where it feels like everything is going good, but yet there is this discouraging spirit that keeps like showing up on the inside of you? Listen to me. The enemy loves to whisper to you and I the inadequacies, the failures, the fears. He wants to undermine your faith and your confidence in God. That's what his goal is, is to discourage you. Listen, you're no good. You're pathetic. You could never make a difference. Do you remember what you did? He will never, ever use you. Your marriage will always struggle. You will always be broke. You will always be sick. You're always going to be miserable. You're nothing. Have you ever heard that before? And I know in all of our lives, we've all been there. And that is a tactic of the enemy, is to discourage you. And ultimately, his goal is to destroy you. He wants to do whatever he can to blind the minds of people who know Jesus, or who don't know Jesus. He wants to blind you and distract you off of things that are not Jesus. Even the Bible tells us that even people that do not know Jesus, Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And then even if you do believe, he's going to use this discouragement to try and stop you from what God has called you to. And we just got out of a series called Mart. And I'm just here to tell somebody today on Memorial Day weekend that God has chosen you, God has purposed you, God has called you, God has equipped you, God has set you, set you in this time period of life for you to go out and make a difference for Him. And listen to me, I just believe with all of my heart the devil hates that. And guess what? That God wants you to take territory in His name and He'll do whatever He can to discourage you, distract you, or deceive you. But the God that we serve has a bigger, greater, better plan than what our enemy has. Come on, if anybody believes that, can we give him a big shout of praise in this place? That our enemy is out to get us. That you have an enemy, but guess what? Write that down. God has a greater plan. Like, come on, I'm so thankful. I, I, listen to me. Now, as I think back to what, what we read in 2 Kings, I refuse to let the enemy that's surrounding me speak louder than the God that's within me. 
And I'm just telling you, some of y'all today, you've walked in here today and you are deceived or you're distracted or you're discouraged. And I just came to tell you that God has a greater plan for you and that we serve a God that doesn't leave us alone to fight this enemy every single day. But he's given us protection. He's given us a plan. But listen to me. It requires obedience. Do you know that? It requires obedience. And I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But I like to say it like this. There is God's sovereignty or the plan, and then there's man's responsibility, our part. Okay? So there's God's sovereignty, the plan, man's responsibility. And I want to say it's, it's like this. You've got you to put it on. You've got you to put it on. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we'll read it in just a second. It says over and over again. You can see it right there on the screen. It says put on. Somebody say put on. And I like to think of this like, honestly, like sunscreen. No better time to talk about this than on Memorial Day weekend. Come on, somebody, right? How many of y'all know y'all going to get burnt roasted today and tomorrow, all right? I'm with you. I get it. Anybody, anybody just like, just loves sunscreen? Anybody just cannot stand sunscreen? Anybody out there? Okay, yeah, I, I can't stand it. I'm just going to be honest. I, I just, sunscreen is not my favorite thing to apply. Um, just because, you know, when you're out there on the beach, you're trying to rub, you got sand and you're trying to rub it in. I, one time I did this, like, I literally put, um, uh, like, like all kinds of uh, suntan lotion on my face. Not suntan lotion. Sun, uh, what is this stuff called? Sunscreen, yes, that's what it is. I'm so sorry. Somebody help me with that right there, Jake. Thank you so much. I put sunscreen on my face everywhere, but I didn't put it like right around my eyes. My whole face was white. My eyes got burnt. I looked like a reverse raccoon. It was awesome. I'm just telling you, like I got some trauma from some sunscreen, right? But how many of us know this, this right here, this sunscreen is good in a, in a tube? Right? How many of us know that there's protection that's happening inside of this tube? Like it, but, but my thing is, this ain't helping nobody just sitting here on a table, right? This is, this is the thing about it, that you and I, if we are going to, oh, I've got a clog in my sunscreen. I take the cap off. Come on, practice your, your illustrations before you get up here. Come on, how many of y'all know that in order for this sunscreen to be effective, come on somebody, you got to put it on, right? Come on, for, so in order for this to be effective, How's that? <clears throat> so listen to me. <clears throat> this is messy, and I should not have. I should have thought about this one. Um, how many of you know? Can you take me seriously right now at all? Okay, probably not. But let's talk. Let's talk really quick. How many of you know that inside the bottle, this is not good? Probably how I've applied it right now is not good either. I know you're thinking thinking that, but this is only effective as it is applied, right? This is only effective as it is put on. And I think that's something for all of us. Yes, I'm going to wipe this off of my nose because I see it from my... 
from my face right now. This old preacher sweat rag. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Is it off? How about now? Can't stand sunscreen. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, thank you. Baby wipes. Let's go. I love that so much. But, but again, I want to I I challenge us with this idea that guess what? It's only as, it only works when you apply it. Right? Like the sunscreen, it only works. It's only as effective as when it's actually applied. The same thing happens when it comes to the plan that God has given you and I to face the enemy when he comes after us. When he comes on attack against us that you and I have to put on. Somebody say put on. Put on. Come on, we got a few things that we can begin to put on and we can learn from right here in Ephesians chapter 6 even. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, that's what I'm wanting for our church. No matter what it looks like around you, that you and I will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so put on. Somebody yell put on. Every time we get to the word put on, I need your help, okay? Everybody okay with that? Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. Listen, we got to recognize that there's a battle. we got to recognize that the enemy has a plan, but we're going to stand firm in the middle of that in the strength of our God. For we are not fighting, the Bible says in verse 12, against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here we go. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be able to be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on. Somebody say, put on. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be able you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Come on, this next one. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. There it is again. Watch out. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Listen, is there anybody thankful that yes, the devil may have a plan, but our God has a a greater plan and he sends us out into battle with everything that we need at our disposal. I'm so thankful for our God. I got a few things. If you want to combat the enemy where he's trying to deceive, distract, or to discourage you, you got to number one, you got to have put on the armor of God. You got to put on the armor and we'll start from head to toe. Right? The helmet of salvation. Listen to me. We are not saved because we are good. In fact, we are not good. There's nothing about me that's good. Me and you are not saved because we're righteous. We are not righteous. The Bible says that no one is righteous, not even one. And But you and I are saved not because of our works, but only by the grace of Jesus Christ. Because He was perfect, because He was sacrificed for us, because He shed His blood, because He purchased you. You are saved because of who Jesus is and what He did. And when you know that, guess what? Your mind is protected. And my mind is protected. I'm secure in Christ and I recognize that nobody can snatch me out of His hand. Right? That's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Listen to me, y'all. My heart is the 
most deceitful thing above all else, right? Your heart is going to lie to you. Your heart's going to lead you into unrighteousness. But thank God I've been given a new heart because of Jesus. And now guess what? He's put this breastplate of righteousness around my heart to protect me. And again, we got the shield of faith. When, when those arrows of discouragement are coming at you, when that's taking place, you know what? I'm not going to believe the accusations from the evil one. I am going to believe who Christ says that I am. He says I'm blessed going in and coming out. He says that I'm an overcomer by the word of the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. He says that he has plans to bless me, prosper me, give me a hope and a future. He says that God is working all things together for them that love him and are called according to his purpose. He says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And guess what you get to do every day? Pick up the shield of faith and protect yourself from the fiery darts that the enemy's throwing at you. The belt of truth. Guess what? Truth sets you free. Satan is the father of lies. He's the deceiver. But the truth buckled around your waist prepares you for the next thing. To run into the battle with the shoes of the gospel of peace on your feet. The devil wants you to think that, guess what? Telling others about the good news is a worthless task. It's impossible. There's too many negative responses. But I'm just believing that we have the gospel of peace as we go wherever we might go. And I'm not going to let my walk slack, even in summer. Come on, somebody. I'm going to step into what God has called me to do. And guess what? We're offensive weapon. The only one that we have is the sword of the Spirit. And again, learn God's Word. That we can know what His Word has to say. We can memorize it. I'm applying it to my life. I'm going to internalize it. And I'm going to listen to Jesus as we talked about last week. And I'm going to do what He says. And I'm going to fight like Jesus fought whenever Satan came and tempted Him. Guess what? He used the Word to refute that. And so again, the armor of God is something that you and I have to put on and apply every single day. Come on, if we thank God for just a second for the armor that he's given us to protect us against the enemy. Come on, I'm thankful for that. So listen, you got the armor of God to protect you. You got the people of God to protect you. So not only is the armor to protect you, but you got some people around you that can protect you. How many of you know the armor of God will protect your front really well while the people of God got your back? Come on, somebody, right? That's what happens. The enemy wants to lie to you. He wants to destroy you. He wants you to believe that you're the only one going through what you're going through. The servant of the man of God. Again, in in the story of Elisha, it's a whole bunch of them, not many of us. Man, we're outnumbered. And there's no way you can do that. But, But again, Elisha prays. Somebody was praying for him. Somebody was encouraging him. Hey, hey, it's not just what you see. I want you to understand that you got to open your eyes. you got to look again. And I think we need people around us that can speak into the blind spots of our life and help us see what maybe we can't see. That's what the people of God are for. That's what crews are for. That's why we're so passionate about doing crews in the summer. You know why? It's because of summer. Listen, the devil, the devil doesn't take summer off either. He's coming after you. You need the armor of God every day. You need the people of God around you. Listen, because the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants you to believe that the sin that you may be struggling with and sin, man, it, oh my gosh, I've had even repetitive sins in my life that guess what? We're eating my, my soul alive. You need somebody to confess that to. First of all, you confess it to God and you need somebody else to come alongside of you and keep you accountable. Like, listen, you, you, the devil wants you to think that you're all alone. That whatever mistake that you've made, wherever you've given up and 
given in in the past, like Satan wants you to believe that you're the only one that's dealing with that. Why is that? Because a lion loves to separate its prey. If you think about how a lion attacks, he'll push the, the prey. If there's a big herd of them, he'll push one out by itself and single them out. And then what happens is he got nobody around him, doesn't have any protection, doesn't have any, any alerts. And when you're isolated, know that that's when you're most vulnerable. And for me, again, crews are a way that you can help have some people to have your back. Get around you. As you're putting on the armor of God, man, they can have your back in, in praying, encouraging, speaking to blind spots. I just want to encourage you to do that. And then the last thing, the way that we can fight against the devil, fight against the enemy, is the fact that, guess what? We can pray to God. That we have the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the omnipresent, he's everywhere, the, the, the undefeated God on our side. And honestly, there is no battle because the battle has already been won. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, the battle's already been won. And again, we're going to go through it in our life. But man, if you have Jesus in your life, I'm just telling you, that you have the direct access to the throne of God. And the Bible tells us, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers, not even just for yourself, but for other believers everywhere. You know why? Because they're going through the same thing. So listen, the idea is all kinds of prayer. Prayer upon prayer. Come on, somebody, right? We should use every kind of prayer that we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, prayers of the Spirit, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. My heart is that we would just be a people that would pray. That we would be a people that would not say, oh, well, I've done everything else, then I'll finally pray. No, 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 that we would pray first. When the enemy comes against us, that we would stop what we're doing and we would pray right then. And I'm just going to tell you that, 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 again, the enemy does not like you. He's not your friend hates you but we serve a God that has given us every way out he's given us every way to fight temptation he's given us every way that we can say you know what okay and it's not because of our goodness it's because of what Jesus has done on the cross so Jesus bridged this gap for us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus because guess what guess what happened back in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve was deceived guess what she did and Adam did they sinned, and for every single one of us from that moment on, this relationship with God from the very beginning of our life is broken. Man, Jesus came, and he gave his life for us. And there had to be a, a payment made for sin. Jesus did it. Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus said, hey, I'll take the punishment for what he deserves. I'll take the punishment for what she deserves. And I just want to tell you, that's the God that we serve. His plan's greater. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I just want to just challenge you today that maybe you're walking through this life and you're trying to figure it out all on your own. And I would just tell you, no, 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 bring it to Jesus. Like, like, just take it to Jesus.